This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It's six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, my favorite day of the year. It is opening day in Major League Baseball. I can't wait. Uh, my my finger's going to get tired switching between all the games today. Of course, I'll be watching the Red Sox game very closely, but games all day, all night, and uh, it is... Uh, it just doesn't get any better than this. And coincidentally, this is also our third anniversary. We started this show on April 1st, 2018. Um, so I have now been doing this show for th- three years and uh, continue to uh, to have a good time doing it. I've been get- getting really good feedback. Uh, you know, we added Facebook this year and, uh, you know, the Facebook audience isn't huge, but uh, they're faithful and I appreciate that. So uh, welcome to everybody. I got a few minutes. Uh, I want to talk about a few things. I've got an interview coming up uh, with Matt Corey of Sox Outsider. Uh, does a podcast, uh, has a column or a blog that is very entertaining. He's a great writer. Uh, so I taped this with him last night, so I want to be upfront about that. It's not going to be live. He is on the West Coast. So uh, rather than ask him to get up and be ready to do an interview at 6 o'clock in the morning, we taped it last night about 10 o'clock uh, p.m. Eastern time. And uh, he was gracious enough. Uh, so we got about a 45-minute interview with him. So uh, before we get to that, though, i got a couple other things I want to talk about. Uh, UConn News, Paige Beckers, as a lot of people thought would happen, was named the Associated Press uh, Player of the Year in women's basketball yesterday. She becomes the first freshman in history to ever win this award. Um, she got 21 of the 30 first-place votes. So she won it by a bunch. Uh, Dana Evans from Louisville came in second. She had four votes. So it was an absolute blowout. And it's well-deserved, almost 20 points a game, six assists, uh, four rebounds, uh, two-and-a-half steals a game, shot 47% from three-point range. And we've seen what she's done in this tournament, hitting shot after shot after shot. So she becomes the ninth UConn player to win a AP Player of the Year, uh, the last one to do it. It's been a while. Brianna Stewart won it three straight years from 2014 to 2016. Uh, Beckers might do might match that feat, uh, but it's the 12th time the Huskies have won it and the ninth uh, individual that has done that. So congratulations to Paige Becker. Um, the other news out of UConn, James Booknight, their star, uh, swingman, has decided to declare for the NBA draft. No surprise. Everybody knew this was coming. Um, Danny Hurley even talked about it yesterday. He said that they had checked in with, you know, people that they know and, you know, that they think the opinion matters. And it was a no brainer. He said there wasn't one ounce of him that was going to try to talk the kid out of going and and he, and they shouldn't, I mean, he's probably going to go the middle of the first round, which means, uh, you know, he's going to get 
a contract, you know, twenty, thirty million dollars. You know, I mean, why, why wouldn't you go? I mean, and, and, and I think once he had that injury this year, when he hurt that elbow and had to miss a bunch of the season, it became, that was a wake up call. If there was any thought that he might stay, you know, for, you know, another year when he got hurt, that was over because now you're looking at it and goes, well, what if that had been his knee, you know, and he had blown the knee out and, and he could have ruined his, his career, you know? So why why would he would he risk that? So absolutely the right decision for him. Disappointing for UConn fans, obviously. And Book Knight even said, and he when he made the decision, and he and he sent it out to the world on social media. He did it in the room with the coaches with the UConn coaches there. But he said after they lost in the NCAA tournament that he wanted to come back. His first reaction was, "I'm going to come back." But then, of course, he got with his family and his advisors, and they just said, hey, you know, come on, dude. You know, it's nice that you want to do that, but at the end of the day, you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to take care of your family and, and your future, and, and it's the right move, absolutely. Um, big baseball news on the eve of opening day. Francisco Lindor signs a massive deal to stay with the New York Mets. Ten years $341 million. The Monopoly money just continues to roll in. It becomes, and this there's no question, you know it and I know it, this was a symbolic number. Why? Because it is a million dollars more than Fernando Tatis got. So he becomes the highest paid shortstop in history, $341 million. And not only that, Lindor's is over 10 years. Uh, Tatis got his $340 million over 14 years. So it's uh, in terms of average annual value, it's much higher. But in terms of total dollars, it's a million dollars higher. And you know Lindor wanted to do that. And Lindor, look, again, nobody's worth that kind of money. Nobody. Mike Trout's not worth that kind of money. He's making way more than that. But, you know, to play professional sports, nobody's worth that kind of money. But it is what it is, right? And if you're going to give that money to a shortstop, Lindor's the guy. I mean, he's already got a couple of gold gloves. He's 27 years old, four all-star games, uh, 285 career hitter averages, you know, almost 30 bombs a year. He can drive you in a hundred runs. He's going to steal 15 to 20 bases. I mean, he's just the complete package and loves the game plays with a smile on his face. And, uh, I think that, uh, he is, and you'll, you'll hear it when the interview with Matt Corey, I think this guy might be the missing link with the Mets. It's, it's somebody that they've needed. Um, other note for opening day in Cleveland, they have banned um, people coming in with headdresses on. You know, they're technically still the Indians for now. They're going to change the name, but uh, but no headdresses. Nobody can come in with painted faces. Now, you can still have the Chief Wahoo logo on your hat and on your shirts, and you can wear all that merchandise, but no, uh, no coming in uh, with uh, war paint on, so to speak, or headdresses on. Um, I, you know, I think the, uh, the Atlanta Braves have done a similar thing. Uh, don't know what they're going to end up doing. There is a chance that they're going to do what, uh, uh, Washington did, but I doubt that. Uh, so we'll see. I think one of the popular choices early on, and I kind of like this is a throwback, uh, to the old American association, uh, a, uh, a, uh, name called the Cleveland spiders. And uh, that would be kind of cool if they if they go back in history. Now, teams, you know, and I think I'm a lot more uh, 
sentimental than that stuff on that stuff than most people like when they had a minor league team here in this the state of Connecticut they uh, when they started the Hartford Yard Goats I wanted them to be named the Hartford Dark Blues why well because it was a professional team in Hartford uh, back in the 1800s and I just thought it would be cool and there were some people that liked that but you know uh, younger people control this stuff, not not uh, dinosaurs like me. So anyway, uh, so a full day of baseball. Can't wait. Yankees, of course, tip things off. Um, uh, first pitcher, I think, is at 105 in the Bronx. Uh, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have our interview with Matt Corey of Sox Outsider. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Uh, before we get to the uh, interview I have with Matt Corey, breaking news just came down. The Red Sox have actually postponed their opener for today. Uh, so no Red Sox game today because of the rain. They are going to play it on Friday instead. So a bit of a disappointment. Obviously, if you're a Red Sox fan, it's still opening day. You wonder if the issue will be the same in New York. I don't think so. Uh, because um, the storm traveled through here. It finished up through here this morning. So it's going to be into Boston into the afternoon, which is why I'm sure they decided to postpone it. So uh, that news just came down. Obviously uh, disappointing for Red Sox fans, but uh, plenty of other baseball action today. So I, as I said, I had a chance to talk with Matt Corey of Sox Outsider last night. So we're going to run that interview now um, and uh, – Get ready for opening day. Even though there's no Boston Red Sox game, we'll get ready for opening day. So here's my interview that I ran last night with Matt Corey. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call, and we are pleased to have a new guest on our show. Matthew Corey joins us from Portland, Oregon, but he writes about, believe it or not, from Portland, Oregon, he writes about the Red Sox. He's got a new blog, uh, a website, and a podcast called Sox Outsider. It is a great read. I highly recommend it. And uh, I had to get him on, and uh, we're going to get him on during the season just because he's got great insights to a lot of the things that are happening there. Uh, good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, let's start, first of all, this free agent season has been slow, to say the least. I mean, not just the Red Sox. It took a while for everything. Matter of fact, there's still more free agents available than have been signed. And the Red Sox finally made some moves, yet they still have an awful lot of holes in this this roster there's no question about it and the biggest hole to me right now if you look at it is that outfield there are still a lot Mm -hmm. of questions I mean is Benny going to be in left uh is Verdugo going to be in center does that make Hunter Renfro our right fielder does that make you as a as somebody who follows the Red Sox is that an outfield that gets you excited well, get, gets me excited is a strong way of putting it. I, I No, <laughs> especially, you know, a couple years ago when the Red Sox were running out, you know, Ben Intendi and, and Jackie Bradley and Mookie Betts. Um, so I think in comparison, this, uh, you know, this outfield potentially, the way I have it set up now is is not, uh, certainly not anything to get you going. But um, there's a couple things. I mean, as you pointed out, there's still a lot of free agents available. You know, it's early February Spring training looks like it's going to start in a couple of weeks. So I imagine there are going to, there's going to be uh, some more signings. Uh, Jackie Bradley's still out there somehow. So I, I think he would be a great addition, uh, you know, especially depending on what they're able to get him for. I, the other thing is Jaron Duran, who is a prospect, should be in AAA this year. He's a converted infielder, but uh, has played – uh, center field, I, I believe, most of the time in the Red Sox organization, if not exclusively. Um, he, you know, scouting indicates he's still learning the position, but he's got, 
very impressive speed, and that should translate to above-average defense. I think the team hopes at some point in the near future. So uh, I don't know about holding a position open for for someone like that. I, you know, I, I don't think that's what they're doing, but um, I definitely think that they don't want to commit long-term to somebody and close that door, if that makes sense. It's kind of a kind of straddling the middle there. Um, you know, I think Verdugo can play center. I, he doesn't, uh, I, I don't think, you know, anyone's going to confuse him with Jackie Bradley, but I think they can reasonably put him out there. Um, I mean, clearly, as you pointed out, Renfro is the, you know, the weak link there. Right. I, I think he's, you know, he's a bench player platoon guy. And I think he's stretched as a starter. Um, but, you know, if you get to a point in, May or June, where uh, Duran can come up, then you can move, uh, you know, Verdugo over to right, and then you've got some depth. The only problem with that is that you've got April, May, and June, and that's also a what-if scenario anyway. So um, I think they're better off in 2021 with Jackie Bradley, and my guess is that they think that too, um, but I think that they are at a point uh, financially where, you know, they're not, they're not going to spend a lot. And, you know, so I, I think they're, they're kind of trying to straddle everything here. Um, you know, they got, they signed Kike Hernandez. Hernandez can play the outfield. Also, he's not a center fielder, but you know, he can, he can fill in, in, um, outfield corners. Um, and they're rumored to be interested in Marwin Gonzalez, who's another guy who plays just a ton of different positions like Hernandez. So I, I think they're trying to, to build in, you know, redundancy after redundancy just to, uh, you know, to, to keep that, you know, that floor, uh, keep it high, which is something that they failed to do last year. You know, we saw the pitching staff, you know, fail Epically. Big time last year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that was, you know, people talk about depth. I mean, they had depth. It was just bad. It was bad. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it's like, it wasn't like they ever had to forfeit. They were, they were pitchers on the mound. They were just really bad pitchers. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think this year, you know, especially in the rotation, there is, you know, there's a lot more uh, depth, and I think that depth is starting to percolate a little bit through the system, you know, based on the signings that they're that they're doing. I I I was a little critical of, of Bloom's off season, um, and you know, as you noted, it took him a while to get going, but I you know I think he was very specific about what he wanted to get, uh, you know, what he wanted to sign players to contractually, and uh, and you know, I think the team is it's it sort of I don't know, poised to surprise some people. Well, I saw the one of the uh, latest stories you had was about uh, fan graphs. Actually, it was very kind, I thought, to the Red Sox uh, and put yeah. them like, in one of the like, top six or seven in the major leagues in terms of winning percentage this year. And to be honest with you, look, if that happens – um, I will be one of the most surprised people in America, I think. But and, and, and hey, look, I hope they're right. But I just I have too many questions about too many positions on this team. Look, we know we know that third base is going to be fine. I mean, Devers, he's going to get. I I firmly believe Alex Cora being there is going to make him better again. Whatever Cora's magic that he had with him be, before the whole mess with the uh, the cheating scandal happened, it worked. So I'm hoping he gets that back. We don't. We don't have to worry about Bogarts. 
Um, I worry about the right side a little bit. Now, Kike Hernandez is is an average second baseman at best, I would say. But I worry about first base. They're putting a lot of faith in some kind of a platoon with Bobby Dahlbeck and Michael Chavis. And Dahlbeck showed some power last year, but both those guys have struggled to find consistency at the plate. And I worry about that a little bit. Yeah, I think that's something to worry about. I I wouldn't be too worried about Michael Chavis, and the reason is I don't think he's going to start the year on the Major League roster. Um, if they don't trade him, um, I would expect him to start in AAA. Really? I yeah, I don't see where he fits on this roster right now. Um, you know, they've been rumored to, like I said before, you know, be interested in Marwin Gonzalez, and the other guy that they've been talking to is Mitch Moreland, and I think Moreland, <laughs> you know. He's, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, every year, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's great. I love Mitch Moreland. I he's getting a little old, but uh, but there you go. So, so um, aren't we? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Everyone ages at the same speed. They, they do. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Moreland fits in pretty well. He would be the you know the long part of that that platoon uh, at first base, and you know the steadying influence in the clubhouse and that sort of thing as well. And I think that takes some pressure off of a guy like Dahlbeck. Um, you know, who can probably bounce between first base and, uh, uh, you know, NDH and maybe picking up a couple starts at third base if, if they, uh, you know, if, if Devers needs a, a night off or something like mm-hmm. that. So um, I, I think that's really the thing that is most impressive about this team is its flexibility. There's, there's some guys who are just, you know, married to one position. J.D. Martinez. Uh, you know, Martinez, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not playing the outfield. If he's playing the outfield, something's gone horribly wrong. Yeah, but, you know, Bogarts will be at short, and as you said, uh, you know, Devers will be at third, but, uh, you know, and, and, of course, Vasquez will be behind the plate, but almost everybody else, you know, can move around. Almost everybody else. I mean, I think, bizarrely, the, one of the few guys uh, who I wouldn't move around too much is Benintendi. I, I right, agreed. Don't, I don't like him in center, but I, I don't think that they would be uh, – you know, I, I'm sure they would put him there for for some innings or a game if need be. So, um, I think there's a lot of flexibility and there's a lot of depth, um, and it's come together, you know, more quickly than I think I foresaw. Um, I mean, we'll have to see how it plays out on the field. Yeah, I, I agree. Fangraphs is, uh, you know, bullish. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> especially after what we saw last year. Uh, well, let's. You mentioned the rotation, and when starting the season. I don't mind this, you know, the the top third of my rotation. I'm not too upset with 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 Erod, you know, providing that he really is bounced back from the myocarditis situation. Evaldi uh, yeah. and Garrett Richards. I don't mind that the, the, that three based on you know their their career history. I think you've got a pretty good top three right there. Martin Perez, look, he's an innings eater, and he wasn't horrendous last year. He's a guy that took the ball every fifth day. He wasn't horrendous. He's not going to win a Cy Young, but. He's serviceable. That fifth spot, you know, between whether it's going to be Nick Pavetta, whether it's going to be Taylor Houck, you know, I, I don't know. But I don't hate the rotation to start the season. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I kind of – I mean, I, I knew they had to make, uh, you know, changes to the rotation. And I, obviously they knew that too. It wasn't um, any kind of rocket scientist to look – rocket science to look at the, uh, you know, the, the rotation they had last year and go, oh, this needs to uh, be fixed. Um and I, I think uh, I think Hauk will be in AAA to start the year. I agree. Um, he still needs to work on the third pitch. He still needs to work on getting lefties out. Even though, you know, he had three really nice starts at the end of the year. 
uh, looked pretty good. Hopefully he can build upon that in AAA and, and he can be, you know, option 1A if they need uh, need anything in the rotation. Yep. Uh, I would expect Pavetta to get that fifth spot unless unless he's really bad, in, in which case maybe move him to the bullpen. I mean, he doesn't have any options remaining. So right. he's a guy that has to stay on the major league roster or they're going to lose him. Now, if he's terrible, losing him's not, you know, too <laughs> big of a problem, right? right. Uh, but you know, I think the I think the Red Sox like him. Um, you know, he's been one of those guys that I think smart teams have been trying to get a hold of for a long time to to pry him away from Philadelphia and see what they can do with that stuff. Uh, so this, I think it'll be interesting. And and you know, he was, uh, you know, it was just just two starts uh, at the end of the season last year, but um, he was pretty good in those two starts. I don't know how much, um, you know, you want to put in 10 innings, but a lot of strikeouts, not too many walks. I think he gave up one homer or something like yeah. that. It looked, looked, uh, looked reasonable. It was in command. Um, you know, he, he might be a guy that, you know, maybe you limit, you, you know, sort of do the raise thing, you know, two times through the order. And then, you know, then you pull him, even if he's at, you know, 65 pitches or whatever um, and get somebody else in there just to, you know, get a different look for the, you know, for the hitters. But, you know, if, if, uh, if that's the worst case scenario for your fifth starter, I don't have a problem with it. So, yeah, I think, I think it's come together well and, and they've got, uh, you know, they'll have Halk in AAA, Ryan Mata and Connor Seabold are both down there too. So hopefully those guys will be getting ready, should be, you know, potentially ready uh, for both of those guys to come up to the majors at some point this year, if, uh, you know, if they pitch well. And then, of course, Chris Sale's coming back at some point. We hope so. There's a there's a lot of potential to to step into the rotation and and make it even better without them having to even make any trades or moves. I, I get the sense from what I've read back here in the East Coast that when Sale does come back, that Sox fans should not expect him to get the ball every fifth day. They should expect that he might be a once a week guy because they he's just starting that new contract extension and the Red Sox want to be very very careful that they are able to get the maximum benefit out of that and make sure he doesn't blow that arm out again. I mean that's the first I've heard of it but it wouldn't surprise me if if they were extremely careful with him. I mean it it makes sense for all the reasons you just said. Absolutely. Um you know I I think it'll one one determining factor will be you know, what does the team look like in, in July? Right. You know, when, when he's coming back, are they 15 games, you know, back of the division and six games out of the wild card with, you know, four or five teams in between them and the second spot, then Then there's just no reason. Yeah. yeah, Right. There's no reason to push him at all. Um, If you get, you know, three innings out of him a week, then you get three innings out of him a week. That's, you know, and then you get him back uh, into a regular off season program and, and build him back up. And, and hopefully he gives you 180 innings in 2022. Well, the biggest, I think the biggest obstacle to all of this is going to be Chris sale, because I don't think, you know, that he is, <laughs> he's going to be okay with pitching once a week and pitching three or four innings. I think that's going to be the biggest thing they're going to have to do is try to hold him back. Yeah. He's, he's a competitor and, and, you know, reining him in is, is definitely going to be, you know, a challenge for uh for Cora uh but you know he's also not an idiot and he uh knows uh, you know I think the situation that the you know the team's in and that and that he's in contractually and um so you know I mean he gutted it out in 2018 you know yeah. because of where the team was right. and um 
you know, he knew he could be helpful in these, in these little bits here and there coming out of the bullpen at the end. But, um, you know, if, and if that's, you know, if they're a 95 win team this year against all expectations, then, uh, you know, I would expect that he'll reprise that role. But, um, you know, if you're looking at 75 to 82 wins, then, you know, then I, it makes more sense to be, uh, be careful. So you and I talked about this a little bit before we went on the air, and I mentioned that my biggest concern with this team is the bullpen. Um, you know, I like the signing of Adam Adovino, and you have to hope that the you're going to get the Adovino from a couple of years ago in Colorado and not the one mm-hmm. that pitched for the New York Yankees. Uh, Matt Barnes, he walks too many guys for me. He loves that curveball too much, and, and to me – you know, he goes, it seems like he goes three and two on everybody. And then after that, it's like, well, you got a lot of guys with the potential. You've got, everybody loves Colton Brewer, but his numbers haven't shown us anything. Uh, everybody loves Darwin's and Hernandez, but the kid's young and he hasn't proven anything. Matt Andrees, uh, you know, he might be okay. He might not, you know, I don't know. But right now, Phillips Valdez is the big reliever they're talking about from last year. Boy, what a great find this guy was. You know, and he pitched a few good innings, but I looked him up. He had a whip last year of 1.6. I'm not too excited about that. You know, so I'm a little bit worried, you know, and do we get the Ryan Brazier that pitched well for the Red Sox or do we get the Ryan Brazier from two years ago who was horrendous? So I just don't know what to expect out of this bullpen, and it was one of the worst bullpens in the major leagues last year. Yeah, it's it's definitely, the I think, the biggest wild card um you know, of all the, the spots on, you know, on the roster, um, you know, and, and you make, I think, good points with, with all of those uh, guys. There's, there's a lot to be, you know, they, they just, for whatever reason, um, they don't have a combination of, you know, proven and good. They have unproven and potential, and then they have proven and flawed. Um, yep. And, you know, I think Ottavino and Barnes both fit that second description. Um, you know, they're both guys who I, I think can be premium relievers, but they throw a lot of pitches out of the strike zone and depend uh, a lot on batters chasing. Yep. And that can be a dangerous thing in the ninth inning. I had Eno Saris of The Athletic on my podcast um, was a couple of days ago, uh, and, and we talked about this, uh, how – batters tend to swing less in the ninth inning than they do in any other inning, which is something I, you know, mentioned and I didn't know that. Um, I'm actually surprised by that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was too, but you know, when they, it makes sense uh, when you think about it. And on top of that, when you've got two guys vying for the ninth inning role who, you know, throw strikes at about a 45% clip that you get a little, you know, a little worried, start maybe sweating a little bit. Um, I like Darwinson Hernandez a lot, but he's a, he's like a lot of these guys. He is, you know, big strikeout, big walk. And they have, right. you know, the, the bullpen I think is, it's going to be, you know, they're going to, they're going to get three outs in a, in, in one game. And then the next game, they're going to come in and walk two guys and give up a homer. And, uh, awesome. I, I think it, I, yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think there's going to be these, these big blowups there, you know, it, they're just too many guys who don't throw enough strikes. And, you know, one thing I, that I like about Hernandez is he's young and, you know, they can, that's a kind of thing that can reverse, you know, you can, you can learn how to throw strikes 
you know, and improve on, on that skill. I think for a guy like Barnes, who's 30 and Ottavino, who's 35, that's, it's a lot harder mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, to get that to happen. Um, but one thing I said to you before we started recording, and, and I do think it's true is of all of the groups, you know, in, in the, on a major league roster, fixing the bullpen. I mean, if it's an utter disaster, then, then that's hard to do, but, um, but you know, mid year, you can, you can easily improve upon a bad bullpen. It's not extraordinarily costly to do so. You can bring prospects up from the minors. I mentioned, you know, Siebold and Mata, those are guys that they could plug into the, uh, into the bullpen if they wanted to in, in mid year, if they're pitching well, um, they could go out and, and get a guy. Uh, so I, you know, there's, there's ways to, to fix those problems, you know, in midstream that said, you know, once the, those problems start, the damage is done, at least as far as it goes along. Um, you know, they, they talk about, you know, banking wins. Well, you're banking losses. You can't take those away. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the, the front office is smart. Mookie bets trade aside. And I, uh, <laughs> I do think that uh, that they can fix the pen if they need to. You know, it's funny you brought that up. I, uh, you know, <laughs> look, I've been I've been a, a fan of the Boston Red Sox now for well, probably since I was about six years old. So fifty four years now, I cannot mm -hmm. remember a trade that it was the closest I can come to thinking about that was it's was when they let Carlton Fisk go to the Chicago White Sox or. When they when they sent Fred Lynn to the uh, to the Angels, um, other yeah. than that, I mean, I can't remember a more heinous trade in Red Sox history. It's it's one of those that I don't think I'll get over until the day I die. I, I'm with you. It is hard to come up with a good comparison. I think the Fisk one is is a is a pretty good one. Um, you know, I, I was you know, a huge Roger Clemens fan, um, you know, he, he left for Toronto and he was in Toronto for but two years and won the Cy Young both years. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't, he wasn't a, a trade. Like they didn't actively get rid of him. Well, you know, but Dan Duquette, agent. Dan Duquette did everything he could, could to run yes. him out of town. I mean, there's yes. no question about that. Yes. Um, and, and if you look at, at Clemens numbers before that, you know, he, he took a, a big leap forward when he got to Toronto. And I think that is a, you know, something that he's talked about where, you know, he was upset and right. wanted to prove the Red Sox wrong. And I, he did. I get that. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Very much so. Yeah. Um, that was one of Duquette's biggest mistakes. Um, and, you know, the, the Betts deal. Yeah. I, I think you said it well. It, it's not one that, that I'll ever get over. Um, it still hurts. Shockingly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, unless, <laughs> you know, unless somehow, you know, one of these guys they got ends up being a Hall of Famer, and it doesn't seem likely to happen, this one's going to be, it's, it's, it stings. And not just because of how talented a player Mookie was, but the kind of person that Mookie was and the joy yeah. with which he played the game. I mean, I just remember his last game in Boston. You know, oh, yeah. and, you know sliding yeah. into home plate, you know, in a game uh -huh. that was absolutely meaningless. And that's the kind of player he was. And that's, I think, I think that's what I miss. Not just the talent. I just miss the way he played the game. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. Absolutely with you. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote a piece about Dustin Pedroia and a friend of mine um, emailed me and we were chatting and he said, or I, I told him that the thing I think I miss about Pedroia um, most 
maybe not most, but the thing that one of the things that stood out to me about Pedroia is that he was always there. You yeah. know, he, you could count on him being at second base. You know, he was uh, always going to be on the Red Sox and, you know, you might watch a game on Monday, a game on Tuesday, and then maybe you got a business trip and you missed the game on Wednesday and the game on Thursday. Come back on Friday. Pedroia is still going to be a second base. Right. He'll still be there. You <laughs> yeah. know, yeah. that in first or second in the lineup, he's going to go two for three with a double off the wall, you know, make a play in the field, whatever. Um, and Betts felt like he was going to be that guy, yep. you know, like he could play in right field every day for, you know, for the next decade plus. And, and, uh, you know, always be good, always, always be driving the team forward in that same, same way. Um, and, uh, and now, and now it's not going to be like that. I, I do think that Verdugo is a good player. Um, you know, I think he's an above average fielder. Um, I've never seen Jeter Downs play before, but the reports are glowing. Yep. Uh, so, you know, uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's a way that either of those guys, whatever they do, is going to matter. I think it's going to, it's going to hurt either way. Yeah, I think you're you right. Know? I think you're right. Well, <laughs> speaking of playing the game, we are hoping that spring training is going to start in a couple of weeks, and you know we've got a showdown happening between uh, the Major League Baseball office and the Players Association, setting up a potential uh, strike for next year. I think, unfortunately, but as of right now. We have spring training in two weeks. If you yeah. were a betting man, what are the odds that we play 162 this year? Oh, man, that's a great question. Well, considering that the league is already trying to shrink that number, right? <laughs> I'd have to say it's less than 100%, but I don't know. I think, I think there's a pretty good shot that they end up playing a full season. Okay. I mean, you know, the... We're, we're rolling out the vaccine. People are getting, um, getting their vaccines and, um, uh, you know, I, God willing, we'll, we'll make our way through this and, and, uh, and things will get better. And, you know, a baseball season is, is long. So, uh, there's certainly opportunities for things to go wrong, but, you know, last year they set their mind to a, whatever it was, a 60 game season. And, and, and we did it right. I yeah. mean, I think some, some people got, got sick in the beginning if i remember correctly I think the cardinals and maybe the diamondbacks and no the uh, um, the marlins yeah the marlins yeah. um but uh but they got through it they you know they crowned a world series congratulations mookie and uh <laughs> they uh <laughs> so i i think uh i think i'm optimistic but i'm also i also tend to be an optimistic person so take that for whatever it's worth um what about now part of the deal that major league baseball wanted to do and they wanted to shrink it to 154 games, start spring training a month later, and they wanted yeah. to keep the expanded playoffs, and the players were not in favor of that. What's your opinion on uh, how they expanded the playoffs last year? Well, I I don't love it. <laughs> yeah, we're on the but, same page. Yeah, but they're going to do um, – I mean, I, I imagine that's the that's the wave of the future. I, you know, it just has to get negotiated out. Yeah. Um, you know, the – the players make their salary over the regular season and they're paid, you know, something for, uh, for the playoffs as well, but it's not on the same scale. Right. So the playoffs are a big money-making venture for the, for the owners and the players know that. Um, and so, you know, I think they're happy to, to bargain it into existence, but you know, it's going to have to be 
bargained in the next CBA, which like you said, I think is, is up in a year or two. Um, and, uh, so I think, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to turn into one of those, you know, get off my lawn people, That's me. but <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have much of a lawn if I'm being honest, but, um, the, uh, the, the regular season is so long and, and that's one of the things that I love about baseball. Right. Um, but I just don't see the value in doing that. If you're going to let half the teams into the playoffs, you know, it's at a certain point, you're just wasting your time. Right. Um, and I, baseball isn't a sport like I think the NBA or like football where you can really determine a, a you know, a, a winner or a, a, which team is better in a short period of time. It really does take a long time. And I don't think anyone wants to have, you know, 15 game postseason series. No, I hope not. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, you would need something along those lines to really, um, to really determine, you know, a, a legitimate winner, I think. And, and, you know, we're already at this one game wild card and then, you know, best of five game series. And I mean, I remember last year going into the playoffs, you know, the Dodgers were the best team. And I, I think I said the only way the Dodgers are going to lose this is if they just get ridiculously unlucky in the beginning against whoever they were playing in that first three game series. Right. It was the Padres. Right. Um, And the Padres were all beat up at that point. So they had no pitching um, left. Yeah. Right. But uh, you know, if, you know, a couple of balls fall in a guy, you know, gets the flu or something and misses a game. And, and all of a sudden the, you know, the Dodgers, you know, lose two out of three to whoever. And, uh, and that's the end of their, you know, 105 win team or whatever it is. So um, I, I hate introducing that kind of luck into a 162 game season. I got one more thing. We could talk for hours, but I got one more thing before we run out of time. Uh, one of the okay. other things that we're talking about this year is whether or not we're going to have the universal DH. Uh, originally, I hated the idea. I always liked the, the difference between the American League and National League. But I have to be honest. I mean, I, I, I've come around to the idea. I'm okay with it now. I, I didn't think I was going to be, but I actually think I am. And it, to me, this is something the Players Association has got to want. I mean, it, right now, that's the reason Nelson Cruz doesn't have a job right now is because half the teams in the league don't know whether they're going to be able to use him or not. Well, I think that's true in the case of Cruz. And so the thing that, uh, yeah, the, the thing that I think – you know, the players want is more jobs, right? Right. So the only way to create more jobs is either to expand the roster or to expand the number of teams. So changing the DH rule doesn't do either of those things. Um, It's a transfer of jobs. I think maybe it, maybe you end up, you know, paying the DH more money than you would, you know, whoever would be that, the you know, the last guy on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe there's a bit of uh, money to be made there by the players, but most teams don't have a Nelson Cruz or a David Ortiz or a JD Martinez. I mean, those guys exist for sure. And, and I think there will always be some of those players floating around. Um, but I think most teams use the DH as, you know, kind of a spot where they can rest their, their better hitters and pull them, you know, out of the field for a day. Um, so, I mean, as, as to your 
statement, I'm quite happy to have the DH in, in both leagues. I think the pitcher's hitting is really boring, and it's an example or, or a way for pitchers to get hurt too. Yep. So um, I'm I'm totally fine with it. But it's the kind of thing that I would imagine the owners will attempt to collectively bargain their way into, uh, you know, um, in, into the next CBA. Well, Matt, it's been great having you on. For folks that are interested in reading your uh, your newsletter the uh, or your blog, The Sox Outsider, how would they uh, go about doing that? Well, you can go to Sox Outsider, that's S-O-X, Outsider, at um, soxoutsider.substack.com. That's uh, where the newsletter is, and all you got to do is put your email address in there, and uh, anytime I write it, uh, it'll show up in your inbox free of charge. It's right there. Um the uh, Sox Outsider podcast is um, just getting going. I recorded that episode with Eno Saris, and I just recorded another one with Chad Thin of the Boston Globe earlier today. That'll be up tonight or tomorrow morning. Um, I got some other exciting guests coming up too, so people can check that out on iTunes or wherever you find uh, you know podcasts. It's the Sox Outsider podcast. So yeah, check it out. Hopefully, people enjoy it. I've been getting a good reaction from people. I think and it's been a it's been a fun project. Oh, he's a really good writer, folks. So I highly recommend it. You can also find him on Twitter. He's at uh, Matty Matty Two Thousand. Is that correct? That's right. As a matter of fact, that's how I found the newsletter was through Twitter. So uh, so you, you can <laughs> so you can find him at Matty Matty Two Thousand on Twitter as well. Matt, we're going to have you on. I'd like to have you on during the season a couple of times a month, maybe, and uh, uh, you can give us your perspective because I I know I'm a big Red Sox fan, but sometimes it's always good to get somebody else's perspective. So. I don't sound like the get-off-my-lawn kind of guy. So uh, I, I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this morning. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. All right, Matt Corey here on Sports Country Radio.